You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome, welcome again to the Revision Path Podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm Maurice Cherry, and before we get into this week's interview, I just wanted to remind you about a few things. First, we're looking for interns to help out with the show during the summer. You can earn college credit and join our movement for showcasing black creatives by applying at revisionpath.com forward slash internships. Uh, We're also looking for guest bloggers, so if you want to come write for us and you've got a passion for design or for coding or for entrepreneurship, send us a pitch. Uh, You can visit revisionpath.com forward slash write for us and show me what you got. (laughs) Uh, You can also show your support for Revision Path by leaving us a donation. Uh, Head to revisionpath.com forward slash donate and donate there. Every little bit helps and it goes right back into improving the Revision Path show and the website. You can even sponsor an upcoming episode for just $20. $20. Speaking of sponsors, thanks so much to Erica Motter of SwirlSpice.com for sponsoring this week's episode. Thanks, Erica. This episode is also brought to you by Audible.com. Visit AudibleTrial.com forward slash Revision Path and get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial. There are 150,000 books to choose from, so you're sure to find something that you like. Now, on with the show. This week, I spoke with Lebo Hong Di Chwene, a graphic designer and owner of Lepuzzi Designs in Johannesburg, South Africa. Here we go. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. Hi, Morris. My name is Lebohang Ditweni, and I'm a graphic designer. I run a graphic design studio called Liputzi Designs. So we essentially design and um, we focus on layout, rather. Yeah, so that's what I do. Okay. Does Liputzi have a, a special meaning or translation for our for the English audience out there? Oh, yes, absolutely. It's actually quite a funny story. I went to boarding school in my high school years. And the first day I got there, one of the girls that I met, who would later become one of my good friends, uh, nicknamed me Mokopu, which is a Sesotho term for pumpkin. So obviously I tried to fight it as much as I could, but as you know, anything bad, when you try to fight, it sticks on you. So eventually everybody called me Mokopu instead of my name, Lebohang. So I started liking it. So when I opened up, business are called it Liputsi Designs. And as you know, when you're naming a business, it has to explain exactly what you do. So essentially the name means Liputsi, me, I design. So Liputsi Designs was born. All right. So how did you get the idea to start your own business? Where did that come from? Well, to be honest, at first I thought I would never, ever, ever run my own business. I was happy being an employee, shop on time, be kind of, you know, vacant in La La Land the whole day and then go home, get paid. But, you know, when I started growing in my career, I'm a graphic designer by career, I started feeling like I wanted to do more and I wanted to have more control in the types of projects I wanted to be involved in. And then that's when I decided, hey, you know what, let me start freelancing and doing my own thing. And now today I work for myself full time. And, yeah, that's how I got into business. And how long have you had Laputi Designs? Laputi Designs, the company was registered in 2008, 
but I started operating full-time on it in 2010. Okay, so you've got a few years in the game then, that's good. This isn't a, a totally new venture for you. Yeah, yeah. I've been hurting <laughs> for a while. <laughs> As you know, running your business is it's heartbreaking most of the time. <laughs> well, uh, what do you mean? Give me give me an example of that. Well, you know, when you run a business, like with me, I'm a graphic designer, right? So that's what I know how to do. But when I left employment and started working for myself, I had to become more of a salesperson and less of a graphic designer. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time when you're selling things to people, first thing that comes to their mouths is no, 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 no thanks. No, no, I don't need it. I already have somebody or no answer. So it's heartbreaking in that here you are, you've got the talent and you've got the ideas to give people a creative solution that they need for their communication problems or strategies. And all you get is no. So it's been more no's for three years and a few yeses. But I believe a few years, a whole lot more yeses are coming through. But it's been an enjoyable ride. Okay. How is the, the design scene in Johannesburg? Does that help you out with, with getting clients or just getting the word out about your business? Yeah, you know, well, in Johannesburg, there's kind of like different types of circles of designers, if you had to put it like that. You've got the advertising agency people. Those are the people that have worked in the big advertising agencies, your TWA, Hunt Lascara, Sachi and Sachi and the likes. And then you have your people that work in very small graphic design studios, you know, like your uh, probably like a fall team people type of small studios that are really not known all over the country and they just work on one or two big accounts and you have people in the magazine industry. So we don't really connect as much but we use Facebook as a way to connect and showcase our work and stuff like that. So there is quite a bit of support in that you know we get to meet and every year in February in South Africa there is a get together of creatives is called the design in Daba in Cape Town and also that's where all the creatives meet so that's kind of where we meet each other and kind of talk about what we're doing and there's also like freelance how can I put it like sort of like freelance groups where free uh, graphic designer or freelancers in the creative space come together and support one another and most of the time we've all been to school together so that's how we would know each other. So there is quite a bit of support, but I would say most of the time you're on your own. Mm-hmm. Mm. And are you the only person in your business or do you have a, a team of people? How does that work? Currently, I'm the only person in my business. I do have a junior graphic designer that I use so that I can do more sales. But, yeah, in terms of uh, employment, I'm the only full-time employee of the company. On your website, you mentioned that you're a 100% black-owned female business in South Africa. Mm. Do you think that's affected the type of business that you've gotten? I mean, that you've gotten? Oh, absolutely. I mean, keep in mind that, you know, where South Africa is from, now there's policies by the government to try and right the wrongs of the past. And one of those policies is the BEE policy. I think it stands for broad-based economic something. Essentially what it's saying is that businesses that are 
majority white, they need to give business to previously disadvantaged in, uh, individual-owned businesses. So hence, it's important for me to say that I'm a 100% black-owned company so that when I go and try and get work, they recognize that, you know, I'm a previously disadvantaged individual mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm trying to get in the game. So that's why I put that there. But essentially, that's not something I use to get work. I want my portfolio and my experience as a graphic designer mm-hmm. to speak for me. That's, that's so interesting you mentioned that. We have a similar policy here in the United States, they call it affirmative action and it's it's uh, brought down usually by a uh, organization called the EEOC which is the Equal Employment Opportunity Committee or uh-huh. Commission or something like that uh, yeah. which is similar to sort of what you're talking about yeah uh, basically like. yeah okay yeah yeah it's, i think they probably got the idea from that policy you're talking about in the US okay so let's go back a little bit let's go Back before your business, let's go back, I guess, even before boarding school. Did you have a very creative childhood? Did, did that sort of spur your love no. for design? No, absolutely not. I was a very quiet kid. Like, I just used to be, you know, all my relatives liked having me around because I didn't cause trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I was very quiet. And then it was only in boarding school. I don't know what grade it would be, but when I was still in, in high school, the different classes were, were called, were standards. So it was in standard seven. I think it's grade eight, I think. Okay. Grade eight or grade nine. Yeah. So when I was in grade eight, I was able to choose art as one of the subjects I can do in high school. And yeah, art teacher then, he kind of saw something. And yeah, he kind of cultivated the little artist in me. And then it grew from there. And then in grade 11, I had an opportunity to attend a three-day workshop during our winter school holidays at the AAA School of Advertising in Johannesburg. And essentially, they were letting us know of the different career choices you can make. And I chose to apply for art direction in advertising. And after I finished high school, immediately, you know, I didn't even have to apply at the school because I guess at that workshop, they had already accepted my application. And yeah, I I immediately knew what I wanted to do. And I went to that school for three years. And then, yeah, that's how the whole creative journey started, really. Nice. Did that particular art professor sort of serve as a mentor for you? I guess like, you know, going through high school, you said he sort of saw something in you. Yeah, I, I guess you can say that. Yeah, and he let me play a lot. You know, like, as you can imagine, a high school curriculum is 50% theory and 50% practical. So when we got to do the practical stuff, we, yeah, he let me play a lot so I can find my style, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And even after high school, I still hadn't found my style. I think it's only now I'm starting to get what you know, where I like creative-wise. And where is that? Well, I like bright colors. Okay. <laughs> At first, I was very, very shy with using colors and, you know, thinking out of the box, you know, and taking the brief one step further. So now, you know, I like to really play around with, with the briefs from clients and really, like, go all out. Mm-hmm. Before, I was very careful, you know, kind of like shading within the shapes and type thing. So now I mess things up 
and just see how it comes out and work from there. You know, I'm very free with myself. I guess it has to do with being in your 30s. (laughs) (laughs) I know that feeling all too well, being in my 30s as well. I totally get that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do you have any mentors now that are sort of helping you out with business and with design? Not so much with design, but more with business. Okay. Right now, my thing is that I need help with running a business because growing up, nobody in my close family ran a business. So I don't know what that life is like. I don't know what it is to make sure that at the end of the month, I'm able to pay myself something. Mm -hmm. So I do have a mentor, a company called Big Media. Okay. Yeah, so currently now in South Africa, there's this thing called Enterprise Development Program where a big company will kind of mentor a small company. So I got into a a program like that with big media. They are a digital agency, so they generate content and do websites and everything in the digital space for their clients. And I use their office the internet, the phone, coffee, <laughs> and electricity for free. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, we, ha- our deal is that they have to give me work worth a certain amount every month so that it helps grow my company. And then every month I meet with the MD and then we just discuss my problems, you know, my successes, my failures. So he's kind of like my go-to guy because he's been running his business for 12 years. Mm-hmm. I've only been running mine for three years. So he helps me where I don't know what to do, you know. But in addition to that, there's also another company called Race Cop. They are a business incubator. I'm part of their program there where they teach young entrepreneurs like myself how to run and build a successful business. Now, the partnership that you have with Big Media, you said it's called an Enterprise Development what? Program. Program, Enterprise Development Program. So are you paying Big Media anything, or is this sort of like a – you said they have to give you work. Like that's part of the partnership. You get to work there. Yeah. You get to use their resources, and then they give you work. Is there anything that you're providing to them outside of just what you do with your business? No. So essentially, they're like my big brother uh-huh. business helping out, and they give me some money at the end of the month just you know to grow and sustain my business, and also to give me work worth the amount of money that they give me every month. So it's kind of like a retainer, uh-huh. except I, I'm I'm kind of lodging in their offices right. and also doing my other work. Wow, that's awesome. I would, I wish really they had, yeah, I wish they had something like that. Maybe they do have something like that here in the U.S., and I just don't know about it. But that's awesome for sort of small businesses to be able to partner with a larger business. Yeah. I feel like if that sort of thing did exist here, it would cost thousands of dollars. Like it would not be a free thing like you're, like you're mentioning. So that's really good. Now, with yeah. your business, and I don't know if this is part of the same program that you – are in now, but you've also been out of the country a few times. You've been to the U.S. and you've also mm-hmm. been to the Netherlands. Can you tell us about what those yeah. experiences were like? Oh, yeah, sure. The first time I went overseas was to the Netherlands. Our previous president, Tabon Becky, had this program called Askisa Gypsa. Essentially, they took people that were in middle management and took them to the Netherlands to train for 
print to project management. As you know, there is a connection between South Africa and Holland. Mm-hmm. Holland, you know, the whole colonialism and apartheid and all those things. So now it's kind of like a trying to right their own. So that's like how a, that thing. Like a reparations, sort of. Yeah, similar to, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one of our languages here in South Africa, Afrikaans, is like a, it was derived from Dutch, the language Dutch, yeah. So anyway, so we, we went there to train for Prince 2 project management. So that's how I got to go to Netherlands. We were there for six weeks and I was interning at a company called CKM1. They are a fashion design agency. Essentially, they organize fashion shoots and come up with concepts around different fashion labels whom are their clients. So, yeah, and also I had the weekends to myself to run around in Amsterdam and see the city. It was quite nice. Nice. (laughs) And then the, yeah, and then the second trip to the U.S., we went to Reno. That was more business than training. So there's a company here in South Africa called Young Entrepreneur Program. Yep. They partnered with uh, Sierra Nevada University, where we would go there and learn about entrepreneurship. So it was a six-week, no, an eight-week course, and the qualification was Foundations of Entrepreneurship. So essentially, we were developing our business plans over that eight-week period that we were there. And every weekend, we would go to the Sierra Nevada College in Lake Tahoe, and during the week, we would go to our host companies. So for that particular program, I asked not to be placed in a graphic design company. I wanted a company that helps other small businesses grow so that I'm able to learn the foundations of entrepreneurship because I feel after almost 10 years of being a graphic designer, I mean, what else can I learn about being a graphic designer? So the most important thing to me was understanding how to grow the business. So that's what I was doing there. Nice, nice. Yeah, and while we were there, we managed to get a free weekend and go to San Francisco. That was really nice. So really enjoyed our stay. Oh, did you go to Silicon Valley while you were there in uh, San Francisco? In the area? No, no, we just did the tourist things because we were only there from Friday evening until Sunday morning. We left at 11, so we essentially only had Saturday to okay. do everything. Yeah, so it wasn't really enough, but I'll be back. Okay, so, and I guess still sort of talking about your business, what are three of the most important lessons that you've learned since starting your business and I guess also taking into account the work that you've done in the Netherlands and the work that you've done even here in the mm-hmm. U.S. What are three things that you've learned? Well, just off the top of my head is that all the no's where you go and try and start business, whenever somebody says no, it's not the end of the world. You need to get up, dust yourself and try again. Somebody will say yes. And as a business person, you have to have a you have to want to learn more because that's the only way your business will grow and thirdly you cannot be in love with your idea whatever business that you are doing you're not doing it for yourself you're doing it for your clients so if your clients or your customers don't like what you're doing you have to be flexible and change what you're doing you know so how that kind of works in in my business is that especially as a creative person you come up with the 
creative artwork for some for a client you know while i'm busy doing it i'm thinking oh my goodness i have never created such beautiful artwork this kind <laughs> must stop <have> this <laughs> and you get there you present and they're like no we don't want it we don't want it like that change this change that change the font change the color mm-hmm. you know i can't suck and be like no you guys don't understand you're not creative enough i know better no it's not about me <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny because i feel like that's almost the opposite of what designers here learn. That it's, I mean, we learn in terms of, I think, you know, when you have your own business, of course it's about your client, but you're also creating your ideal client and you're sort of running yeah. the business the way you want to run the business. And if the clients don't like it, then somebody else will. I've never really ascribed to that, but it's it's definitely different yeah. from what... Uh, I read something like that in one of these how to run your graphic design business. I think it was a U.S.-based website, and the the author said something like that. I tried that for a minute. It did not work. (laughs) If you want your business to be successful, obviously, you know, you can't let your client, uh, you know, run all over you and try and direct how you run your business. You know, you must have boundaries. But essentially, the client is king. To a certain point, but client is king. So you have to give them what they want. If you feel they're going down the wrong path, then you have to take an educator role and educate people. Because what I have encountered in the past three years running the business is that although graphic design or visual communication is an essential part of every single business, the people that need it don't a lot about it so you know i change my sales script every day but what i'm seeing happening is that i have to kind of like educate my potential clients up front and explain to them what we're going to do how this is going to help and then when they insist on taking a certain direction that i know is not going to work for them i have to kind of be you know explain to them that you know i see you really want to have an apple in your logo but there's already another apple that's out there. You know, we have to do something else. Mm-hmm. So you have to be very patient and educate your clients. So, you know, you can't have a mentality that, no, you know, I have an ideal client and this is the kind of work I'm going to do. No, those ideal clients, they're in La La Land. They're not going to pay the bills. <laughs> that is You're dealing it, with people. It's so interesting you mentioned that. There's a Facebook group that I, I tend to mention this Facebook group a lot in interviews, uh-huh. but it's it's on Facebook. It's called Black Designers United. And I had actually started a conversation about sort of how do you educate your clients on sort of demonstrating what your value is. So yeah. they sort of know that essentially the way that the conversation started was there are oftentimes are a lot of clients that come to you that have very grand ideas for what they want, but yeah. their budget doesn't match their ambition. Ooh. You know what I mean? That's my advice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a, so I asked, well, how do you sort of communicate your value to let people know you're not just buying a set of hands, you're buying my experience, my education, yeah. you know, you're buying more than that and sort of demonstrating what your value is. How do you approach new projects with clients? I know you said you sort of step into that educator role, but what specifically mm-hmm. do you do? Well, the first thing that I did was to kind of create my services into little products. So Let's talk about logo design. I have three logo packages that I offer my clients, light logo package, medium, and complete logo package. And those logo packages, they don't cost a lot. Like the biggest one, the complete package, it costs 4,200 rands. I don't know how much that is in US dollars. But 
at the beginning of the project, once the client has chosen the package that they want to go with, I need to make sure I explain to them how this is going to go down. Like, we're not going to spend three months deciding on a logo. I'm going to give you three options. You're going to choose one. After that, I'm going to create the corporate ID elements, apply the chosen logo on that. And from there, you have two more options or two more authors correction opportunities to make whatever changes you want. After that, it's done. For the amount of money I charge you for, we simply cannot spend too much time. I find that if we just get started and we don't have that conversation, at the end, it kind of gets too expensive for me where the client wants me to spend too much time on their work. And then it ends up not making business sense to me. So the educator role starts with you explaining how you're going to work, how you're going to help them. And then it also helps to show the client previous work you've done for other clients, especially similar work that they want, so they can see what is out there. I mean, a lot of the times, uh, well, most of my clients are small business people, people that just registered their businesses, and they're looking to have a logo created and um, business cards and whatever, you know. So I need to explain to them, look, you just started a business, you know. Your whatever logo we come up with is not going to immediately be on par with your Apples and your Microsofts and your whatever. You also have to do some work and put in some time into the business for it to get to that level. But for now, as an experienced graphic designer, I'll create the look and feel that will make you look professional. However, it's not going to be like Chanel or whatever famous logo you know of, you know? So I think that conversation helps to manage the client's expectation because most of the time where conflict arises is uh, expectations, you know, that were not managed. And then in the middle of the project now, you want to start managing the expectations, but, you know, this client is already on a on cloud nine and you want to bring them down to earth. That's where the conflict comes in. (laughs) I've heard a lot of that. And yeah, so every time I try to have a a frank conversation on how the work is going to be created and how we're going to do how many opportunities for corrections you have. That's a really good tip that you had about sort of turning your services into packages. Um, Yeah. Because I think, you know, like you said, when you're starting a business, you kind of really don't know what the best way is to sort of communicate what your value is to people. So you may go to a website and a designer may yeah. just have a bunch of services. But mm-hmm. the person that's going to buy that, you know, they're in a more sort of purchase-framed mindset. So they're, they're thinking, I've got $500. What can I get for $500? They're not thinking, exactly. I need branding and a logo. And, you know, they're thinking on a different level than perhaps... Yeah, approaching it. So putting your services into these packages kind of meets them where they are, which I think is a really, that's a really good tip. I like that. That's good. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk a little bit. Let's go out of design and out of business for a moment. What are you excited about right now? Like what's going on in your life right now that's exciting? Well, I'm expecting my first child. Oh, congratulations. Thank you so much. The baby's due in June. So as I'm sitting here chatting with you, the baby's kicking. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's the exciting bit. And yeah, that's, that, that's about it. That's the only big thing that's happening in my life right now. Nice. What is life sort of like in, in Johannesburg? And I'm saying this as a contrast to you 
having also spent time in the Netherlands and spending time mm. in the U.S.? It's not so different, you know. Like, we get up in the morning, hustle, go to work, or run businesses, or whatever, trying to make a living, you know. It's essentially, that's what's happening, you know, every day. Like with me, I try to meet somebody who will get me to the next point mm-hmm. and I try to give back to somebody who's looking for information. Part of the my giving back initiative that I do on a personal note is giving back information, you know. As you know, South Africa has a high rate of unemployment and a lot of the people that come from the townships didn't really receive very good quality education, but at the same time, the government is trying a lot to help people attend school for free or whatever, but for you to take advantage of those policies, you need to know about them. So I'm on the internet a lot. I read a lot. I love to read, and whatever I learn, any new thing that I learn, I pass it on. Like on Facebook, a lot of the posts that I have up there is of job opportunities or buzzeries or internships. And if I meet somebody in the streets, I live in Soweto in Deep Loof. So if I meet somebody in the streets who wants to do something, but they don't know where to start, that's where I give information. So I like to call myself like an information peddler. That's what I do on the side. So yeah, I think you know, we're all facing the same struggles, really trying to get out of a bad situation, which is the township and try to live somewhere else better and have a better life and a better salary and support our families, educate as many of our family members as possible so we can upbring everybody to a better situation. I guess when I'm thinking about the design community here in the United States, and mm-hmm. I don't know if this might have been something that you have, have noticed from your time here, but it, it tends to be pretty homogenous. Like, it's pretty much the same types of people, the same kinds of people. And I'm thinking more so along on a racial or a socioeconomic type yeah. of, of status. And, and sort of like you mentioned how it is in Johannesburg, how people are trying to sort of come about the township and, and do better. Mm-hmm. Do you find that there is a similar type of division in, I guess, the design and the business communities in Johannesburg? Is it sort of the same? Yeah, it's sort of the same. You know, I mean, it's so sad even like now, the businesses that do well, I mean, if I find a business like mine, but what by now, after three years, they've done so much better because they've got better opportunities, better contacts because of, you know, the way things are, you know, and you know, a black-owned business, you work extra hard, especially when you're a woman. You have to work extra, extra hard and prove yourself that, that you're not just a pretty face. You know what you're talking about. So so the community, the business community is kind of the same. You know, it's like the same kind of people being uh, running businesses everywhere. You know, it's like if they're not in that industry, so no new people are coming in. So you know, we kind of face this sort of like a subtle, well, it can't really be subtle, but there's sort of like a glass ceiling, you know. Mm, yeah. And also when you when you're an employee, a lot of my friends are complaining about the same thing. Like, you know, I came into this company with my counterpart who is white and we're doing the same thing. I'm probably a little bit more qualified than them. Next thing, in no time, they are my superior, you know. And like, how does that happen? Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah. 
How do you think we can try to overcome that or try to, I guess, is there a way to overcome that, do you think? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that might have been a, that, that's a pretty, that might be a tall order. Oh. <laughs> yeah, a tall order, I don't know, you know, because it's like you go to school, we are in debt with student loans, you know, then it, it takes a while to get a job. And when you're in there, you still have to prove yourself as if the school you went to is not good enough or your knowledge is not good enough. So every day is like a struggle, you know? Yeah. So for me, the, those are also some of the problems I was facing, you know, I was sitting at, at last ceiling. So that was also part of the reason I went out on my own so that I can grow at a rate that I feel I should be growing at, Mm -hmm. you know, because I believe I'm good at what I do. But when I was employed, I was always told, no, 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 you're not ready yet. You're not ready yet. Just remain at that position. You're not ready yet to go further, you know. So maybe the, the way to cure that is for us to go out and be our own bosses. Mm -hmm. And but now also when you're outside, you're running your own thing. It's hard to get in as a supplier, you know, service provider so hey i don't know (laughs) if you weren't doing graphic design what would you be doing you know i I think about that every day especially (laughs) on my broke months (laughs) Uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think back to high school i was never really interested in meds and science in fact, I tried to quit meds at some point, but I, they wouldn't let me, so I didn't give it my all. But I guess if I had an open mind then, I would have passed my meds and science so that I'm accepted in university. I don't know, maybe I could have done something in African knowledge or something, because even though I live in Africa, there's still a lot I don't know about you know, African knowledge, where we come from, African science, African philosophy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, perhaps I could have done something along those lines. Now, that's interesting you mentioned that. Do you think that's the case, I guess, because of colonialism, that a lot of that, that history is is not in play? Oh, absolutely. I mean, for colonialism to work, they had to make sure that we dump our knowledge, our gods, our everything and be westernized and be Christians and be democratic. All right. All of those things are the exact opposite, I feel, of Africanism. So, yeah, that's the topic I'm really interested in and I'm studying it now. Nice. Do you think that there is a movement by designers? And I, I'm, I don't want to say in Africa because Africa is a lot of countries, a lot of cultures, but I know there are, there are two designers that... I've also interviewed who are from Africa. One is in South Africa. I think he's in Pretoria. I don't know if he's in Pretoria or or Johannesburg. His name is Mokokoma Mokonoana. And then there's a guy in Nairobi who I interviewed. And for both of them, from talking with them, they're also sort of trying to get back to this, I guess, African history, if I can put it in in such a loose term. But they're trying to get back to that sort of past state of what African history was and what design is and our language and alphabets and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think it's the same for for all of us. I was actually reading an article somewhere where it says a lot of young people are, um, are ditching church because they feel it puts down the African heritage. So I think that's where we all come from, that we want to know more about our African heritage and be less 
westernized. Interesting. Well, that's very interesting to know that that is occurring in Africa, because I think that's certainly been the case here in the U.S. for probably the past, I want to say the past like 50, maybe 60 years, where it's been this uh, this notion of us wanting to know more about our history, because, you know, there are a lot of things that complicate black people in the United States because of slavery yeah. and things like that. So it's hard yeah. for us to really know what our roots are past maybe the 1800s. It's really hard to determine that. So that's uh, that's, yeah. that's really interesting to hear that that's also the case kind of in Africa where, where designers and other people are trying to sort of get back to what their cultural roots are. I think that's very important. Yeah. I mean, like one of the things that a lot of us young blacks are doing is if, if like, you know, your parents gave you a, a Western name, like now people are going back to their African names. So in high school, I had friends, you know, one friend's name was Jubilant. And now she's gone back to Golile, you know, and you cannot call her by her Western name, you know, it's like, no, it's a, it's, it's a total no-no. So everybody's going back to their African names and where, where possible, you know, uh, keeping our hair natural as much as possible. Uh-huh. Of course, you still get to weave lovers. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like a lot of my peers now are getting married. They will incorporate the traditional aspect into their weddings and, you know, invite the elders to come bless them and do whatever ceremonies and rituals that, you know, that are African and traditional. And you know, although they, they still do the white wedding thing, but the traditional aspect of things are also very important. So That's awesome. Yeah. That's really awesome. Yeah. Where do you see yourself in the next maybe like five years with your business, with, with everything? Well, with business, I see myself having employees. I'm looking to grow to have as many as between 10 and 20 employees, you know, have my own office, you know, big clients. My focus, the business, I want the business to focus on internal communications. As you know, management styles have changed now. It's no longer top down, it's bottom up. So, and a lot of the big companies that I'm targeting, they're mostly global. So the managers at the top don't understand the employees at the bottom and who are mostly semi-illiterate. So it's an interesting space to be in to kind of like be the one to design the messages so that everybody understands everybody and the companies grow. All right. And just to sort of wrap things up, where can our readers find you online? My website is www.liputzidesigns.co.za. I can spell out Liputzi for you. It's L-E-P-H-U-T-S-H-E designs.co.za. And I've got my artwork, previous artwork I've done for previous clients and a short bio about me and the company. Okay, sounds good. Lebohang, thank you so much for taking time out. This has been a really great conversation. There's a lot to digest here. I, I really think you had some great stuff just to say about your business. And also, it's just good to learn sort of what other designers are doing around the world and seeing how we're not so different after all. Yeah. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Morris. I had a nice time chatting to you. Thank you so much again for tuning in, and thanks to Lebo Hong for a great interview. If you enjoyed this episode, let me know. Send a tweet to Revision Path. 
leave a comment on our Facebook page, and make sure to leave a rating and a five-star review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Those ratings and reviews really go a long way in helping spread the word about the show. Thanks to our sponsors, first, Erica Mauder of SwirlSpice.com, and second, Audible.com. Don't forget to grab their free audiobook download and 30-day free trial by heading to audibletrial.com forward slash revision path. Revision Path is a 318 media project. If you like what we're doing with this podcast and want to help this growing movement, then just head on over to revisionpath.com forward slash donate and show your support. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.